Hey, I'm Bill Gagne from Speed River Contracting. And in this episode of the SRC Toolbox Podcast, we talk to an old friend of mine, Mike Rafter, about basement apartments. Mike has a lot of experience with rentals and has had two basement apartments. This is a really laid back conversation and Mike shares a ton of what he has learned over the years. Some of the things we discuss include building a team to get your basement apartment done, having a licensed basement apartment versus an unlicensed one, and how to get past the sticker shock to get it done. Without further ado, let's talk to Mike. So what got you thinking, I want to do a basement apartment? Like where, where did all of this start so, with? So as I've coming up and I bought my first house with my wife, at, it wasn't my wife at the time, but we bought our first house together back in 07. And we did it as a rental. And we saw kind of what the rental possibilities are, what they could do. And it worked for us, the rentals. So we always knew, and I said, and the house wasn't big enough to do our own basement apartment, but we always said in our next house, let's get a bigger house, but we don't need the basement like a lot of people think they do. So we decided this is pre-kids. This is so our first house without kids. Get a house that we can grow into, right. but we don't need the basement. So why not use that usable space as a you know income generator? And I think the first basement yeah. rental we rented out for is a bachelor apartment, maybe five, 600 square feet, good kitchen, Nice layout, um, bathroom, uh, shared laundry yep. though. I think it rented for $700 a month. But at the time it, it felt like it was just the help that we needed. But that was 10 years ago, like 10 years ago, 700 bucks a month. Yeah, like, so we not... bought our first place. I think we bought that place in 09. So what, yeah, it was over 10 years ago. Yeah, okay. it was over 10 years ago. So $700 a month for Bachelor. We thought we were doing great with that. We were there for five years. By the time we left, I think we were renting out for $900. We probably pay like charge less that first time but once you start seeing you know how much interest there is the interest sort of dictates what you can charge if that makes sense and you know right. if you're gonna if you're sure. getting 50 people the supply and demand of course it's gonna be worth you know 50 has a has its own parking spot utilities are included in it and that's one of those things where you kind of go along the people that come view it usually dictate how much it's worth and so once you saw the rental possibility, you got into them like, okay, we're going to do this. Given you already had the understanding of rental income, right? What mm -hmm. was your process of this is how much we want to, we think we'll pay. This is how much we'll yep. get back. This is how we get tenants. Like, so what was that the like? tenant side of it, I've, I had owned and I've done rentals, other rentals on the side. So I, I had the experience of like listing through Kijiji uh, in Guelph. The common website is the Canon. I never, we didn't really have Facebook marketplace right. at the time. That wasn't a thing. So the idea of getting tenants and arranging that, that wasn't the hard part. I think our first place that we had a, John Cleary was a, a rental manager. We had him rent oh, yeah, the first yeah, time. Yeah. So we actually used John the first time. John's great. John has his place. But once you kind of get the feel of it, and I got more comfortable with doing that, I decided just to take that on myself. As far as the basic rental, we made the mistake the first time of doing it. General contractor did everything the way we asked him to, but didn't use permits. So we converted like a downstairs open rec right. room. We put the kitchen in, put the bathroom right. in, put up a wall. We did it all great, but like we didn't do it to code. We didn't do permanent just to save a couple bucks. And that was early, late 20s, early 30s. I don't think that's uncommon. Hindsight, we did get busted by the city. So we did get caught by the city. Had to go in and retrofit everything. So in the end, I think it cost, and it cost us more money by not using permits initially because you got caught by the right. city. And at that point, you're in a tight space because you better get that right or the city can completely shut you down then. I, well, I, I mean, I remember that pretty, pretty clearly because we came in yep. and brought it all to code and, and yep. really 
a lot of that cost to bring it to code is going backwards. We, you and I talked about this the last time we tried to record this podcast and it didn't work, uh, was we get a lot of people reaching out to us saying, hey, I, I bought this house and it said it had an in-law suite and the reason we bought it was because we could rent mm-hmm. it, but it turns out it's not a registered legal apartment. So yep. they've had to bring it to code and when they talk to us, We've done this a number of times. We're like, look, you're looking at 20 to 25 grand to make this mm-hmm. registered. And they no. just, they can't go back to the real estate agent and say, hey, like we need more money. Well, but like, this is just the unfortunate reality of it. And like you said, the permit part, having done a number of permitted basement apartments, and I think yours was my first or second that we did, having never done a basement apartment before that, maybe one. Uh, it was a great experience because now you're seeing what it means from scratch, the fire code implications and all of that. So when people have reached out to us in the past and they're like, hey, we want to do a basement apartment. I'm like, okay, here's your steps to talk to the city. Oh, do we really have to talk to the city? I'm yeah. like, you know, I mean, you could speak to this. What's the difference in value from a registered apartment and a non-registered? Or if you wanted to use the term legal and I'm just illegal. speculating, but I'd say it has to be worth anywhere from you know, at the very least 15 to as much as 35% more value in that basement apartment, as right. far as the rental income each month. And as far as the value to your house, because when you see that legal in front of it, yeah. you've done all the hard work, hard work's done. Cause if yeah. you know, and this goes back to what we talked about before having your right team in place, you have to have the trust that right real estate agent. That's not going to say, Oh yeah, you're fine here. This isn't a problem. You're never going to get busted or the city doesn't really check the stuff. They do. It is a thing where you want to make sure your real estate agent is putting you in the right situation. And if they are telling you that it is legal and it's not, that's a big problem. Why don't you speak a little bit about the idea of this team? Because we had talked about this before and this is like a rehash. But you had mentioned something really that I thought was really brilliant was, so you want to get a house with a basement apartment. Your suggestion is you put together a team and who is on this team? Yeah, and this is just from doing rental properties, other stuff. I look at a team is you need somebody, a real estate agent that's looking out for your, that know, understands your needs, your goals, not only where you are, but where you want to be in, you know, next year, five years, 10 years, and somebody you can kind of, you can kind of grow with. And they understand the local market. Right. Also part of the team, big part of it is, for me was a mortgage broker. And we talk yeah. about mortgage broker and you talk about the extra finance cost of doing that. Is this a mortgage broker that can, Get, not only getting the mortgage, but can set up that line of credit or can even build into the mortgage the cost of that basement apartment where you're not taking on that yeah. full, you know, when you hear those initial numbers, they can become a lot. But, you know, when you start talking about, yeah. you know, if I put 20% down into it, you know, and you can finance the rest of it, the basement apartment will more than pay for whatever that line of credit or the extra cost is while also increasing the value of your home. So real estate agent, yeah. uh, mortgage broker, I believe... I think for what I've done as far as like the rental part property, you can get away with it as far as not needing an accountant, but I think accountants make your life so much easier. And they, you know, just the ability Agreed. to the government. And once yeah. you get into a situation where the, you know, you're dealing with the government, having an accountant, a professional that knows all the rules, all the laws. And so a lot of times they can save you more money than what you're going to actually end up paying. Cause they, they know where the loop, not, I don't want to say loopholes, but they know the, how it works. And the ins and outs and if you should be declaring this or not. If you're doing yes. your own taxes on this thing, you're a business. If you have mm-hmm. a rental apartment, you're a business. It's not the same as an income. It's very different. And they know yep. what you can and can't write off. 
if yep. you improve your house, you got to prove like there's a difference between a capital expense and a, and a you know an, an expense maintaining all of that. Yep. So the, your accountant's the one who'd be like, yeah, you can write this off. No, you can't write this off because you know CRA they don't have a time limit. Their their memory's long. They, they had seven care. years to go go back at you. Yeah. So they yeah. So an accountant. Yeah. And this is a person. People overlook that one a lot too. I think. But having a good accountant, if you want to be truly a business, and you're paying capital gains on it. So if you're paying capital gains on it, yep. you want to make sure you know what you're writing off and what can and can't. And sometimes they save you more money than you actually realize you could. So I think an account is a is right. a huge asset. And a right account too. Somebody you can talk to. Somebody that's going to send you emails or you have a question and they're more than happy to answer your questions and where the communication is good. That's not just account, but the real estate agent, your mortgage broker. You want people that are going to like understand that you're valuable and they're going to get back to you and communicate with you really quickly. So mortgage right. broker, real estate agent, accountant. General contractor is a big one, and I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm forgetting the last one. <laughs> lawyer was the other one you mentioned. Lawyer, yes, yeah. So a lawyer that's going to understand like the closing processes, what's legal, what's not. But you want somebody that's also going to be honest with you, but you can trust. Lawyer, and then the final one was a general contractor. Did your lawyer put together the lease, or did you? Like when you get a tenant, you have yeah, a lease. Yeah, that's a good question. I initially my first leases were with my my real estate agent, who he was involved with a lot of rentals. So he's had, he goes, I'm happy to share any leases I have with you. This is when I use my home. This is what I'd use for other ones. So I, you know, a lot of times the information you get initially was passed down from other people. So instead of me having to search over a lease or doing something like that, my, my real estate agent was able to look over it. I sent it to my lawyer. He's like, yeah, Mike, I like this, but I would add this clause mm -hmm. and this clause. So they're able to kind of direct you. Right. Now, now that whole process with leases has been standardized by the government. So there's not as much wiggle room as far as what you can and can't do. But yeah. when any times a, a process is standardized, it makes things easier as far as leases go. We're talking about this team. Like, let's think about yeah. this. In a lot of the time when I get inquiries, the sticker shock is what people get. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about yeah. you're going to have an accountant, you're going to have a lawyer, you're going to have a real estate agent, you're going to have a contractor. We haven't talked about you actually building anything. We've, yeah. we've talked about all of this stuff and you've spent a bunch of money to get this sorted out. Now you're going to get the place built. How did you do the math or financial accounting or, or your, your numbers to go, this is worth doing, right? I know you had the experience, but I also know you're somebody who's going to dig into the numbers and go, this is what we're going so to get. So I knew it. just from doing some rentals, I had the other basement apartment that I retrofitted from the basement that we worked on before. Uh, so when I eventually moved on, I just want to know that the potential was there because your real estate agent is paid not by you, but paid by the person selling the house. So that's not a cost to you. Your lawyer, you're going to want to do closing the house no matter what. So that's going to be there. Your mortgage broker gets paid from the mortgage company that whoever sets you set it up with. So those three things, the accountant's going to be out of your pocket. And the general contractor, obviously, when you hire them to do work, will be out of your pocket. But most of those three people, the first three people I listed, are paid by the other end. They're not even paid by you. Now that's that's if you're buying, right? Because yes, that's if you're buying. You've yep. been on both ends of that. Yep. So you've you've sold a house with a basement apartment. Yep. So you've been on both ends of that equation, right? Yep. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of the expense that, that goes, it's already built into buying a house. To me, more importantly, so all those expenses, no matter what, that's going to be a fixed cost for the most part. There might be a couple bucks here or there with lawyers that charge differently, but that's a fixed cost. By the time you get down to it, you just want somebody. The communication and honesty are the most important part of that and those relationships. You can save a couple bucks here or there yeah. always. If something goes wrong in six months, 
I want somebody I know is going to kind of like, they're gonna, not only going to fight for me, but they're going to have my back and say, listen, no, this was wrong. We should have done it like this. Or you just want somebody that you can trust. Somebody who's going to educate you. Speaking yes. as the person who, who did work yep. for you and does this for people. Yep. A big component of what we do is educating people about, hey, you want to put in a basement apartment. You need three parking spaces. You need an egress window in the in the bedroom. You need a separate yep. door. You need a shared yep. or separate laundries. Yep. If you don't have those things, you're not going down the right path to get this done. Right. If you got to cut a hole and then in the, in the context of cost, I think and this is the hardest part. And I think very rarely in life do you ever say that was cheaper than what I expected. When you're doing this kind of stuff and you want to do yeah. it right, it's always going to be more than what you expect. But if you think about it in a sense of like almost like a five year plan and you, your cost, yeah. whatever, say it's 50 grand, your cost and you're going to rent it out for a thousand dollars a month. That's what you expect to. And this, this, you have to do a little research, go online to a basement rentals cost yep. in the area and, you know, Kijiji, Facebook marketplace. There's so many great online app resources. Your real estate agent should have an idea what it would rent for your real estate so that you should know right away based on if they are what you want them to be, they should have an idea or could gauge what the real, the rental market would be in that area too. They should have a handle on that. So that's information you're gaining from them, but you should have an idea. So $50,000 cost for a basement apartment. I'm not going to get into like what that includes or all that, but if you're doing a thousand dollars a month, that's $12,000 a year over five years, you're looking at $60,000. So you've just made that back in five years. Now that's a 10, five not years. only you made it back, that's you made it back in almost four, but realistically that 10 grand, that's any extra. So you have to make upgrade this or this. So then after that five years, anything extra after that, you're paying, you've paid it back. It's all in your pocket. Plus, it's increased the value of your home. Without Plus, doubt. the value of your home has just gone up over time, right? Yep. But it's that it's that initial sticker price. So, so let's just yep. say you have you've run your numbers. You say the math works. We're staying here yep. long term. I think one of the concerns people have is like, I'm not going to make this money back in five years because because yep. I'm I'm probably going to move again. For sure. So I think that's that's a hurdle for people sometimes. But let's talk about your your construction. Yep. experience. I was involved in it. So I, I know exactly what, what you did. But I think your process could really inform people of how approach because it turned out well, you made great selections. Mm -hmm. And you've never had an issue renting it. How did you yep. make that plan? So I started out from like I said, we retrofit the basement without permits, you came in, upgraded it with the permits, you got everything good. And then we moved on to our next house, which is the one that the big project that you were involved with. Uh, after the fact where we had a new build, it was a walkout basement and we knew the value in the walkout basement and just having that separate entrance that they could have where we didn't have to invest the big money in the side entrance or building down or, or anything like that. Uh, we had that built in right away. I think, yeah, the premium on that was an extra $10,000. But when you look at it comparatively, if you had a build down, like you said already, 20 grand just to build down inside. So oh, plus yeah. 10 on that. Yeah. And not just that. The one thing I liked about the, the walkout basement we had in our, in our new house or the new build house is all the windows that come and the amount of natural light that comes with a walkout basement. So I, I, I don't want to speak for my tenants, but it doesn't feel like a, a basement apartment. And natural light is yours doesn't. In, that's for sure. No. Yes. I mean, you're down there, and I mean, you basically have a whole that whole that whole back wall of yep. windows. Yeah. So it just mirrors whatever I have up top there. One of the hurdles I run into often with people's is I want to build a place that I would rent. Yep. And you're just kind of like, that, I get it. Yep. 
I'm not saying it has to be ugly, but you're not you're not going to live in a basement yeah. apartment. You may have never. Mm-hmm. So let's let's approach this from a different angle. I guess one of the trickiest part when you first get going is as much as you, you have your basement is working around what's already in the basement. You don't know how they're going to run the ducts. Working around the ductwork dictates. And also the ceiling height is a big part of you know where the ceiling height is, where it's not, and having to work around that kind of the structure of the basement. Because we can only work around so much in the basement as far as removing posts or doing that kind of work. And you can run beams, but that gets a little pricier now. Yeah. Uh, so we did strategically do some things like that. And we also want to save some space yeah. for ourselves in the basement. So we had our own family rec room and we were able to partition it yeah. off. We knew we wanted uh, one bedroom because we had the space for it. It's really about listening to the professionals sometimes too. And you said, I remember we had that dialogue back and forth. Well, we could do this, but then you're going to limit here. You know, it's always a give and take. Never be dead set on one thing. As much as you want something, it's what the basement dictates to let you do something. So you really have to like, you know, we could have squeezed another two bedrooms, two or three bedrooms down there. We wouldn't have our own space and we wouldn't have, and you're not going to rent. And we only have one parking spot. So that should dictate too. Only the one parking spot, you're not going to have more than two people in that. Could we get two or three bedrooms in the basement as a rental? Sure. But how many people are going to need more than one rent spot? And with more renters becomes more issues as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you also, you made a point, you and Leanne made a point to invest in things like better quality floor, better quality finishes from a standpoint of durability, Mm -hmm. because you wanted lower maintenance. You didn't want to be like, oh, it's been five years. I got to replace mm-hmm. the floor or parts of it. So I, th- I thought that was really smart. We spent, put the money where it made the most sense. The high traffic floors, we didn't, we could have put a carpet in. Yeah. Now the hardest part about a basement is sometimes it's colder. So that's the trade-off. But we put in not laminate, but the vinyl floors yeah. where they're waterproof and especially a lot of in and out. The glue, the glue down, down in and out. A little bit yeah. colder, but I think the durability of them, they, five years later, they still look the same way. The one place I thought we did a great job and looks great is the actual use of the IKEA kitchen. And we put together, we were able to put together the IKEA kitchen. Yep. And just because it's cheaper does not mean it's not practical and still works really well. So it's balancing that, not needing to spend a ton really? of money. So it's still, it's still like. It's still fine. And yeah. do you think it's still in good shape? Be- yeah. Because of the, t- like, so another thing that you've done with that place is I think you had a target tenant yep. in mind, right? You were looking for young professionals. Yep. So Ikea kitchens are one of my, like, I'm, I'm on the fence on, mm-hmm. like, the value in them, they're, they're super nice. The cost is just, you can't beat the yep. price. Every now and again, I'm just concerned about the longevity. Yep. But if you're telling me it's it's been great. You know, honestly, five years. And sometimes what you see after five right. years, like, the doors start coming off a little bit inside. One thing we did, though, is we put a nice countertop on. We went to the Countertop Depot in Guelph, and they did a fantastic yep. job as far as – and I, I'm not going to say that hit anything, but, like, there's no scratches. They're not off-center. Sometimes drawers can start, like, getting off-center. The knobs start peeling off. But the durability of it, too, has been fantastic. But I also give credit to my tenants. They treat the place well. A, a good tenants, yep. they'll cost you a lot less in the long run because they'll treat the place and they respect the place. And I, I don't have any complaints about the kitchen. So let's transition now a little bit to the whole tenant yep. factor, right? So you've built out this yep. space. That went well. You you navigated the give and take. I think that was that was an especially valid point. Is like you had a, a design in mind, but you're going to give and take because mm-hmm. basements have limitations. For sure. Tenants. Yes. So one, finding tenants. How did you vet your tenants? 
How did you, did you target specific types of tenants? And two, what's it like having somebody living in your basement? When you're building the place, the most important thing is that conversation with your general contractor. I want to be as respectful to our tenants as possible. So we put uh, special insulation, the soundproofing insulation in the ceiling. Now that also works well as it's a fire barrier as well. So it's a, it's a extra, it's, it's a little bit of extra cost, but limiting that sound and limiting that interaction between our two levels and they're in the basement, we're upstairs. I'm actually more worried about my kids making too much noise for them. And I, and then I've had any issues with my tenants. <laughs> I have like a five and a nine year old now and they, they don't know how to be quiet. They don't know what quiet is. <laughs> it's just the reality of a young family, but I have never had a situation where maybe they're not telling me that we're being loud, but they've never complained about us being too loud. And I've never heard of a situation where they're too loud. As far as vetting tenants, we've been able to, we've got pet allergies in our family. So we don't want any pets. That limits us. But even with that, we still had we still had as many as five to 10 people that we had options to rent it to. We could pick between five to 10 great options, even with all those limits, restrictions. And you were saying you had, you had 80 people. The last time you posted yep. the apartment, you had 80, 80 people. people. At so least. You've had that apartment five, yep. five years. years? Five years, seven uh, years? Five, yeah, so we, we both five didn't, years. actually. How many tenants? Have... So our first guy, he it was a little tricky renting out first because we're still under construction as far as the grading goes, getting all this down. We had to put steps down the side of the house. That was a cost, but I was able to arrange that. It's not the worst cost, but it's just a matter of, you know, when's the city going to grade the property? We were limited sometimes by the city, yeah. and even the builder getting some outside stuff done. Our first guy was there for two and a half years. He would have... We rented it out. I, think, I don't mind talking numbers. Rented it out for twelve fifty. He's there for almost three years, but yeah. you know he had a change in job and he had to move to London. So he I, he had no problems. Did barely heard from him. Put his garbage out. Worked great. Like the nicest guy in the world. Just as a situation where if you're going to rent to young professionals, it's a transition place for them. But they're, those are the best ones because they just wanted to make sure: yeah. is the internet good? Is the space comfortable? There's lots of light, and it's close to what they need. What they need. The place will rent itself. So he was there for three years. We had a grad student in there for a year. And now we have a couple down there. He's a, a new engineer. And he and she is just finishing up her master's degree. So we're close to the university. So it works really well for them. So she can, you know, walk their bike there in the summertime, springtime. We're right beside a park. They like that outdoor space. And they're going on their second year now. We said that we talked about this the last time. And you had a, you had a great point about what it means to figure out how to get the right tenants. Yeah. It took having the wrong tenants sometimes to know what the right tenants were. Was yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have rental properties. So I, I've been through this vetting process before and getting to know, and you get as much as anything, most of life is a vibe. How many times do people walk into a house in the first five, 10 minutes? They might be spending half a million, a million dollars. This is the house I want. It's just that you get the, and it's completely instinctual where you start to learn yeah. people and you start to learn well, this person's going to work well, or there's something about this person that just doesn't fit for me. So I made some mistakes as far as rentals, my other rental properties, not my house specifically, but that kind of trained me and allowed me to look for certain key descriptors. So I've had about between my two homes with rental properties, I think seven tenants now. And, and I can't say, I can't say I've had a bad one in that, but it's been the other rental property experience that's allowed me to go through with that and to help me out with that. And if you're ever worried about that, there are other people, I mean, obviously for a fee, that can help you find the right tenant for your space. Especially the first time, there's a, there's a fear with that. You mentioned John Cleary yep, before. John Cleary is fantastic. Where he'll pick the people, find people, show the place, put them in the lease. So you don't have to worry about any of that, the kind of legwork. And once you feel comfortable and you can say, okay, I can 
do a Kijiji ad. I can do a Facebook. And how much stuff is sold on Facebook now in those Facebook groups? And even just being around work or stuff, what is everything it? is. So advertising now, it's a no-cost situation on Kijiji and Facebook. And it's a situation where there's no sunk cost. Now, that first time you get it with the ten, with um, a new, when you're just first at it, you know, talking to a real estate agent, you know, I might have this guy, they might even include, they might find tenants for you. There's nothing wrong with that, like talking about something like that, where, or asking them, you know, what experience and drawing on somebody else's experience, instead of feeling like you have to do it all for the first time, and you have to learn it all for the first time. Did you have any concerns or did you have a plan for if, you know, there's a period where it's vacant? Where you have the apartments vacant? I think initially your first time you ever do it, you're always worried about, I'm going to have, you know, is my place going to sit? I'm going to spend 50 grand on it, or whatever the cost is. And I'm just going to sit there and it's going to be costing me money. I'm going to be thinking every month, I, I don't have this. I don't have that. Initially, the fear is, that is a fear. And that's a very valid fear. But once you start seeing how many people want to rent it, like I mentioned, 80 people. And that's, I had it just up for a weekend there. It, it's shocking how undersupplied yeah. Guelph is. I can't speak to other communities, but when we're talking about Guelph real estate, how undersupplied. If your place is listed appropriately, I'm not saying cheaply either. Appropriately, you will attract people. There's always people wanting. Guelph is completely undersupplied as far as rentals go for young professionals and as far as for fam people buying homes. So based on that, it, it's a situation where every year the market gets narrower and narrower and there's less and less places for more and more people that are moving to the city. Just a piece of advice. I'd never do more than two bedrooms. Never, ever do more than two bedrooms for a basement rental. And even then, I think one one is a kind of a sweet spot where they still have space for a desk and office. Yeah. And they can still kind of section off and have a living room. Uh, and that still works for a single person or a couple. There's so many singles and couples out there as young professionals. And we're talking anywhere from like, you know, university all the way up to, you know, 40, 50 and just people transitioning. Looking back... Mm -hmm. Are there things you would do differently or things that stick out that you're like, this is something you should hit on? I think most importantly, when you want to do it well and you want longevity with as far as basement rentals and getting good tenants, don't focus on the money you'll make. Focus mm -hmm. on creating a good experience for the person that's going to be renting it. I'm not saying you have to spend the most amount of money because that's not what it is. But the comfort level in the basement as far as, you know, pick a proper paint color, pick something that's going to be aesthetically pleasing to a large amount of people. You might like it, but listen to the people that you employ and you right. trust. Uh, I remember we were talking sometimes, just getting, you know, doing lighting and saying, we need to have this light here. As opposed to, you know, you get an electrician come in, they've done this a hundred times. They know what's going to get the best light. They know what's going to be the best yeah. layout. They know what's going to work the best. Listen to the people that you're employing because you know what? they do this and they are professionals at it. And just because you think it might work doesn't always mean it's going to work for the masses. So trust your plumber where this, you know, the layout right. of bathrooms, you know, the, running the vents certain places here or there. Trust your general contractor and trust that he's going to make hire the right people to do the job in the right way. I don't know if you've had any situations where people say, I need to have it here. I need this, this, this. And in the long term, it doesn't work. It doesn't. No, I mean, every now and again, like if I think about it this way as a general contractor, we have anywhere from 25 to 30 clients a year. Maybe you have one or two. Yeah. And even then, it's sort of like it's preference. Certain things, like if it's paint color or whatever it is, I'm just like, this is your choice. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, we can advise them as yep. to these are the typical colors. But I think everybody gets sick of beige or gray or whatever it is at the yep. time. 
But lighting is exactly as you talk about. Plumbing, those things, we will try to help steer based on our experience to say, Mm -hmm. I know you really like this plumbing fixture, but the brand you picked is going to break down. So our recommendation is this alternative. I know the price is attractive. I I know you like the look of it. Yeah. In two years, we will be back when the warranty is up (laughs) because these things don't work very well. You know, there's brands and and certain things we stay away from. But in general, most people who are going to go the mile of putting in a basement apartment, they want it done well. They want it. They're they're investing a lot of money and they don't want to feel like they've wasted it. Yeah. It hasn't happened very often with basement apartments. We have our recommendations, exactly like the flooring Mm -hmm. that you talked about. We recommend using glue down laminate vinyl flooring because you can replace one piece. It's waterproof. It can go in the kitchen, in the bathroom, and it doesn't look like the vinyl that your grandmother had. It's way nicer now. And if people ask for more details, say, look, you have a tenant, they drop something, they damage a piece of the floor. Mm -hmm. If you get something else, if you get a regular laminate or if you get carpet or something, that's a much bigger repair than I pull off one piece and I glue down another piece. Yeah. So our own experience informs us and our goal or our job is only to share that. It is not to give design dictation. We ask them, look, you need to come to us with the layout, with the floor Mm -hmm. plan, and then we can consult and say, hey, based on our experience, these things are beneficial and these things aren't. Mm -hmm. Every now and again, people are like, we need to have an island. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not big enough. Like you need 36 inches of passage on either side. You don't have that. Yeah. You know, if they have like a moving table or island, that's yep. different, but you don't want fixed. Yep. So it's really just informing most of yeah. the time. If somebody's spending 60, 70 grand on a basement apartment, yeah. they're more likely to listen. Yeah. They want yeah. to rent. And yeah. So the tricky thing with our basement. We don't run into yeah. a lot So of our thought process was we're going to rent it out. You know, we always have a timeline and I was indefinitely. My wife is, we're going to rent it out for, you know, 10 years, five, 10 years. The idea is that we're going to take over the space for our own needs as our family grows, gets older. The kids want a little yep. more space in the basement. We do have a basement rec room, so we're able to incorporate that nicely into it. So I really think what's going to be great is that the, it's going to flow really nicely. And we have a pool in our backyard too. The idea of that having that vinyl there, that was a thought process. As it was, the pool was just a dream at the time, but knowing yeah. planning for the future, if you're going to have good floor, I don't see why that floor can't be there in 10, 15 years too. You know, I really don't. And just tracking water in and out with the bathroom down there. We have a kitchen. It's going to it's yeah. gonna transition perfectly. I think the thing that you guys did great, and, and you mentioned earlier, was just you had a general framework, mm-hmm. but you weren't locked in as to this is how it has to be. You had a general framework of what you wanted. Yep. We just worked to achieve that. It wasn't a scenario where we're like, oh, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. It was like, this is what you want. We're going to do our best to yeah. achieve it. And like, be flexible. Don't ever have somebody that's going to tell you you have to do this. But have work with somebody that's going to work with you and say, we could do this, but you might want to consider this. And you want somebody that you can talk to. Yeah. And it's a give and take relationship as far as down. Well, I think that's the point right there. Whoever it is, whether it's your lawyer, your mm-hmm. accountant, your contractor, your mortgage broker, your real estate agent, that it's a dialogue and not a yes. monologue. You know, that it's not them telling you, oh, this is how it is. They'll educate you about what needs to happen. That You don't want to go into somebody and tell them and they're like, okay. <laughs> You, you want somebody that's going to ha- like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. You want somebody that's going to push back on you. Also, I also this, another person on the team, an insurance broker. 
as far as doing that because you want to be insured properly as well. Yeah. That's I think sometimes the person I have an insurance broker is the person that pushed back on me back in the day. Not that we got into it, but he pushed back on me on a couple of things. Right. And you kind of sit back and like, I want somebody that's going to push back on me. You want somebody like that's going to not just take your money, but you want somebody that's going to push back on you. Like you're going to want to do this because yes. of this. So my, I also add that to the team. I think the term you're probably using, you're using it as push pushback and I use it as education. <laughs> yeah. They're not going <laughs> to compromise their own ethics no. to just give you whatever no. you want to get your money or their own mm -hmm. professional beliefs. They're going to say, hey, you've come to me for my expertise. Yep. I'm sharing my expertise with you. If you are choosing not to listen to it, carry on. Yeah. I don't have to be part of this. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, that's and I mean. on the insurance side too, like not doing it legally, you could put yourself in some issue if anything did come up. You don't want to be on the hook for it. Oh, you're yeah, toast, you're in right? trouble or something like that. Because your, your liability is probably, I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume you have two different items in this liability. One is personal injury. Yep. Without right? a doubt. If that person gets injured in a non-registered basement apartment, that means you're re you're responsible yes. for that. Two, you damage your house, mm -hmm. right? So if you suddenly have a fire mm -hmm. because you didn't do something to code and then you go claim it on your insurance, your insurance comes to be like, hey, uh, you never told us you had a basement apartment. Yep. Oh, it, well, you know, it wasn't really a, you're not insured for that. Yep. Or you so try and cut it. And, you're, you yeah. could, it's a double edged Or your sword. tenant damages something and he didn't disclose that to your insurance company. And then right. all of a sudden it gets into a really, I don't think anybody wants to deal with insurance companies more than they have to. So you want to make sure you're dealing with somebody that understands your, right. and it's going to be honest with you both as far as the coverage goes and what you want for your house and, your, and what you need. On the point of insurance, do you ask or require or recommend that your tenants get rental insurance? I always insurance? do. Yeah. And so. Like you recommend or you say, I need a copy? I of just yours. recommend it. So I, Or does I, your insurance company require that? My insurance company didn't require it, but I put it right into the lease that you're expected to have renter's insurance. Now, somebody could get it, get it and cancel it the next day, but it's right there in the lease. It's always, you know, that's, that's one of those at, at, uh, items that's taken care of or should be acknowledged in the lease. More than anything, if you're right. renting to good people, they're going to want it too. They're going to, you know, like I, w I don't want to be liable yeah. for something for a mistake that I did, like leaving a, you know, something on the stove and something catches fire. It's there to protect them because if I yeah. have a legal apartment, the renter's insurance is their liability for living in my house. You know, I have, you know, the, like the loss and break in or something like that. That's always been taken, that's taken care of under mine, but you just want to make sure that they're covered and they want to be covered. All good renters want to be covered and not be liable for a mistake. As a landlord, it looks good on you because you're actually like, hey, mm -hmm. I'm recommending you get this because it just it just protects you. I'm already protected. You you should probably get some protection too. Yeah. A great thing to have. Yeah. Just that education, right? You're doing the same thing. You're educating them. Like this is and smart. it goes back to like it's peace of mind. I got one more question for you. So I know what you would yep. tell me. I know what you're going to tell most. So somebody comes to your friend of yours and you've had, I'm sure you've had lots of friends ask you about your basement mm -hmm. apartment and how it's going and all that. What would you tell someone like, hey, I'm thinking about getting a basement apartment. Should I do it? Should I not do it? What do you think? Obviously, like I'm invested in this and I, I, I've seen the returns on it. I think we paid our basement back in about four years and it's just how much it helps with the yeah. mortgage. It just helps with life. You know, like for you to take the next step uh, and, and this is yeah. without even tapping into how much money it's 
increase the value of my home. I, I think educate yourself. You want to start associating yourself with people that have done basement rentals, understand basement rentals, and can help you through that process of basement rentals. Because it's one thing to want it, but then it's just that next step. It's how do you get into the next step? How do you envision where everything is going to go in the basement? And how do you envision what you want? So if you are communicating with the right people, they'll give you the real, the realistic part, the realistic side of how much it will cost, how much you will rent for, right. and how, how some of the obstacles that you don't even see yet that will be obstacles later on. So when you start doing your leg homework... This goes back to your idea yep. of the team. If you have that team... You can talk to your real estate agent and they can say, you know what? We have a client mm-hmm. who had a basement apartment. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. to them? I think that idea, and this is why I wanted you to get into that, is that idea of having a, a support system where you're not like just pulling these ideas from your head and thinking mm-hmm. them into reality. And then when you come to do it, you're disappointed because it wasn't what you thought it was. I think that team is really going to serve anybody mm-hmm. well, whether you go through with it or Absolutely. not. It'll just show you're diligent and, and you want to get things done in a, in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing you have to understand is there's never a flaws or perfect process. You're going to make a mistake. It's not about making the mistake. It's about not making three, four, five, six mistakes. And when you put together that team, they'll guide you down a pathway of not making this mistake. Oh, I made a mistake here, but I'm glad we did this. I made this mistake, but we were able to remedy it because my real estate agent caught this before this happened. My mortgage broker was able to get us more financing because we didn't envision the basement cost costing that much. So they're able to establish this line of credit. And when you start putting these people in place, they want to work for you because they understand your vision and they're going to, they're going to help kind of navigate the problems before they happen, during and kind of afterwards. Well, you're being prepared. I, I think it's, I want clients, I mean, having been a contractor for as long as I have, I enjoy projects where the client comes with a certain plan and they're like hey can you help me make this plan real Mm -hmm. and then you go along the process and they ask questions and they're inquisitive and they want to know and we encourage the communication right we don't want you to clam up and then at the end show up and go i didn't really like this well you could have told me right then and we would have changed it we're going to change it now but you could have done it then so I, I really like the idea of having a support system, whatever it is, even if you start with mm-hmm. one, even if you don't have a real estate agent, you have an account, mm-hmm. talk to your account. Yep. And once you talk to the account say, hey, is, I need a real estate agent. Is there somebody you recommend, et cetera? I find living somewhere like Guelph, and you, you know this, like your network becomes really big mm-hmm. real quick once you find one or two people you trust. Yep. If you trust one person, they're going to refer another. And that doesn't mean you blindly trust them, but at the same time, there is a little bit of that sort of residual, you know, trust mm-hmm. equity from somebody else that you trust. And then you can build that. You're putting your name out there. You're vouching for somebody else in the industry. And as much as Guelph is kind of, yeah. I don't know how you describe it, 135,000, it has a small, everybody knows each other and things get out there. And when you get a reputation of, of oh, doing, yeah. <laughs> that, that never leaves you. So you want people that, you know, if your account's going to vote for somebody, yeah. They're not just voting for this person to do good work. They're voting for themselves too. And the mortgage agent and the real estate agent and the general yeah. contractor. Because somebody yeah. might be out there to make a quick buck, but you want somebody that has longevity. That's Because with longevity, they're looking to do the right thing because this is their career. This is their livelihood. Their reputation matters. I think that's all I got, Mike. Is there anything else you want to throw in there? Don't don't let sticker shock end 
the thought process or end the conversation. Let, let there be another reason why than just the cost about not doing it. Because I think in the long term, when you get past the initial sticker shock, which is not, it's fair to have that thought. I mean, it's a big investment. But it's one of those investments where you're investing in not just the basement, yeah. but you're investing in Guelph and you're invest, investing in the, the rental marketing Guelph. And in so many ways, it will open not just one door, but two, three, four doors down the road for you as far as what your house is worth and what you can do with that money and that equity long term and short term. It's funny. I was having a conversation last night. I'm, I'm in like a poker uh, Zoom call with guys back home okay. in Montreal where I grew up. And we were talking about like your exploration of your own financial literacy. Mm -hmm. You know, not many of us were taught about money growing mm -hmm. up from our parents and just realizing like, oh, this is how money works. Oh, you can. And basement apartments for me were one of those or, or, or learning about rental properties and basement apartments. For me, it was one of those eye opening things where it's like, oh, this is how money works. Yeah. And not being deterred by the initial sticker shock. Like if you can mobilize the capital, mm -hmm. it is a risk. It's not easy. You don't just sit there and go, yeah, I'm going to shell out 60 grand that I don't have that I'm going to borrow from somebody else and pay interest yeah. on in the hopes that in five years it works out. If you're afraid, you're going to see like, what if it goes unrented? What about mm -hmm. this? What about that? Okay, great. But having owned a rental property, and yes, we did sell it, it was an amazing experience from what it taught me. Yep. And to be like, okay, now, now I have a, my financial education went up. Yeah. Right. And I think the point you're making is just don't, don't let the number mm -hmm. be what deters you. Yeah. I, I think that's a good, like what you said, just a good life lesson is don't be afraid of no's. Cause a no right now is just, you just have to read yeah. it. It's a yes later on. And you're just figuring out how to get that. Yes. How, okay. It's a no right now. Cause the finances, how can I get to that? Yes. And how can I get to that point where, okay, now this works and don't be afraid to, to hear the word no. That would be like, oh, that's too much from the mortgage agent, you know, and that's okay though. Yeah. That's, no's are okay. No's are learning. No's are making a mistake. But when you do things properly, when you hear that yes, and you do it properly and it's a legal basement apartment, well, you're building insurance into that. Not only are you building that 60,000 you spend yeah. in the basement, just improved your house's value by 80 to 90,000. Now that's just smart. That's just good. That's just good business. Invest sixty, make eighty to ninety thousand, yeah. and now it's legal. And now we're paying down rent. Now we're paying down a mortgage. There's a way of doing this where those initial mistakes and those initial no's can turn into a lot of yeses later on down the road. And that's that's what kind of you're going for. Don't be afraid. Big thank you to Mike for coming on and sharing all his experience with us. I really hope this gave you something. I always learn something, and it's just fun to talk to somebody that I really haven't got a chance to see in a long time. Really looking forward to getting a chance to have a beer with them once this lockdown stuff is over, but I'm sure I'm not the only one excited to get out after all of this. If this did help you, please leave a like and a follow. It'd be greatly appreciated. If you're interested in more topics, check out our library of content on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you take in your podcast. Take care, and thanks for listening.